today we want to just simply share with you the truth in God's word. I'm going to tell you why that's important because I don't know about you, but I grew up in that church where the pastor's opinion was gospel. Not here to give you an opinion. Our opinion doesn't matter here. Today we're going to look at the scriptures. And we're going to be digging into the secret sauce of life. Now, if you were here last week, you know what the secret sauce is, but I guarantee you there's more to know. You see, the secret sauce to life is honor. And last week when we looked at Mark chapter 6, we saw that Jesus one day showed up in his hometown. And he had intentions of performing great miracles in the lives of those who knew him best. But they, he could not do many miracles, the scripture says. It doesn't say that he would not. It wasn't an issue of if he was willing. It was an issue of honor. And we know that because uh, Jesus says unto them in response to them, because they, they, they saw him, they said, well, this is Jesus, the guy who built my custom-made table. This is Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary. This is Jesus who was in my Torah class. This is Jesus. We know him. Where did he get all this stuff about he's the Savior? Where did all this truth come from? And what we saw is that Jesus responded to them and said, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. So the issue was an issue of honor. And I want you to consider that honor makes way for the miracle working power of God in our lives. Let me put it to you this way. If we honor God determines if we experience all that God has for us. Amen. See, honor is to the kingdom of God and to our lives what air is to the life of every person. Without it, we cannot even go on in our existence as followers of Christ. We can't even begin at step one. And so today I want to invite you to lean in with me into God's word. We're going to talk on the issue of honoring people in our care. Honoring people in our care. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we ask you that your word would be as what you declare it to be, that it would be a sword that pierces to the dividing asunder of our soul and spirit in our joints and marrow, and that it would speak to the very intents and purposes in our heart, that it would perform surgery in our lives, and that it would enlighten us to your truth, and that we would grow because of it. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the end goal that God has in mind when it comes to honor that must be rendered unto him, listen to this, is people. All honor goes unto God. But what we see is that when we honor God, honor unto God really equates to honor in every channel of our lives unto people. In other words, we cannot honor God without rendering honor to people. And today we're going to look at the care that we are entrusted to uh, uh, convey unto those that God brings in our path, those that he entrusts to us. I want you to see how important this issue of caring for people is to Jesus. In Matthew 25, 40, Jesus says this, and the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it, watch this, to me. To me. Listen to what Jesus says. So how we treat people entrusted to our care and what we do with the influence that we have either honors God 
or dishonors him. I'm going to say that again because we've got to chew on that. How we treat people entrusted to our care and what we do with the influence that we have either honors God or dishonors him. It's important. Jesus says, you did it to me. And it's the reason why 1 Peter 2.17 puts it this way. He says, honor how many people? All, all people. Let's try that again. How many, how many people honor? All. all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. I want you to notice that reverence, which the scripture here uses the, uh, the word fear. It's not a fear of God. It's a holy reverence and awe that we maintain of God. I want you to notice that reverence for God is directly tied to honor. It's directly tied to honor. If we honor people, we honor God. If we honor the brotherhood, the brethren in the body, we honor God. If we hold God in high honor and awe of him, we honor God. If we honor the king, listen, if we honor those above us, we honor God. Now, I know for some of us, we struggle with that. Because there are some people that while they are anointed in a position of honor, they don't live very honorably. The issue isn't do we honor a person because they're honorable. The issue is do we honor God enough that we will render honor regardless. It's not an issue of agreeing or following or doing what the king does. We can respectfully agree to disagree, but we must always honor. Man, I know I'm digging in. It's getting personal. So we are to honor all people. We're to honor all people. And I want us to look to the scriptures in the Old Testament because there was a man who was named Elijah, and this man commanded great respect among many people. He was honored by all who knew of him. Why? Because he was the prophet of God. In other words, he, when he spoke, it was uh, and, or he was present, it was the equivalent in those days to God himself speaking or showing up. Why? Because in those days, God, his spirit did not live in all men, in all people that, that followed him. In other words, he only chose a select few. So when Elisha showed up, God showed up, right? So they held him in high honor. And while his position commanded great honor, the truth is that it commanded a greater responsibility from Elijah from Elisha, to live with honor. I want you to see what I'm talking about in 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 1. And it says that the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I do what? Help you. How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. 
Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. And so she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. And so she went and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now I want us to, let's dig into this for a moment. God wrought a great, a great miracle through Elisha, which saved this family's lives. It literally saved them. And we have to consider, why was this miracle possible? Was it because Elisha was the chief prophet of his day? Was it because he was better than everyone else? Was it because he had it together? Was it because of something this woman did? And I would submit to you that it was because Elisha understood the principle of honor. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. This woman comes to Elisha and she honors him as the chief prophet among all prophets in Israel. We know that because when she comes to relay the situation concerning her husband's death and now because his debts are outstanding in those days, you could take someone's uh, children as your slaves as payment to pay that off. And so when she comes and she conveys this information, she honors Elisha by saying, your servant, my husband. She's honoring him. And Elisha could have easily referred to her uh, uh, in, in a condescending way. Not that that's right, you know, but that unfortunately happens sometimes amongst people. Elisha could have easily sent her to one of the prophets under his tutelage. He could have uh, basked in the honor that she bestowed upon him at the onset of their conversation. He could have refused her due uh, uh, to other pressing matters. But instead, what we see is that Elisha, the one whom was greatly honored, preferred to honor the one that was in his care at that moment. Listen to what happens here. The miracle, this miracle, did not come about because she obtained jars. It took place because someone dared to ask, how can I help you? How can I help you? This is the onset of this miracle. How can I help you? Like this widow's world, our world is filled with countless people in trauma. People in need of direction, people in need of help, people seeking a way to recover from loss, people who long to discover a new, a better way for life. And I submit to you that each one of us carries a measure of authority that gives us the ability to influence someone through the care that we can render, the concern that we can show, the impact that we can make in the lives of others. But if we are to correctly use this authority, we must understand that it begins with honoring God 
by honoring people entrusted to our care. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. What do you mean, people entrusted to my care? And that's a loaded question because there's a lot of things playing out in our hearts when we start to question, what do you mean people are entrusted to my care? Let me answer one of those, those questions by making a point here. It's not about your ability, but your availability. Let me say that again. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. Some of us, were thinking, well, I don't know enough of the word. I'm just getting started in this. Who do I begin with? How do I do this? Well, what if it goes wrong? What if I can't help someone? What if I, I don't have enough anointing or I don't, I don't know enough people or, you know, I have my own insecurities? But the truth is that there are people that God has to specifically cross our paths that we have the power, the influence, and the anointing to lend and care for. It reminds me of a time in the scriptures in Acts chapter 3 where the apostle Peter, uh, the church is just getting started. And from the scriptures we can conclude that uh, it was a daily habit of Peter and John and some of the other uh, early church to go to the temple and they would pray there together and they would worship together, right? And so they, they would all go there day in and day out. And on this particular day, according to Acts chapter 3, Peter is walking into the temple with John and he sees a man who the scripture tells us was lame, not a lame. He was lame, crippled in his legs from birth. And this man stood at this temple that was at this temple gate called Beautiful, and he would beg. And people would give him a, 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 an alms. They would give him something to help him out. And on this particular day, the, the scripture clearly says this, and you go check this out on your own time. Peter saw him, and he stopped. He stopped. He had to stop. And he stops. He notices him and he stops. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 3, 6 that Peter said to him, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. The scripture records that at that moment, this man gains strength in his legs, strength that he never knew. And he doesn't stand up, he jumps up. And he begins to praise God and people marvel. And what I want you to consider is this, is that Peter had nothing to give him according to what the need appeared to be. But what Peter had is what each and every one of us have on a daily basis. He had the ability to make himself available for God to do something great. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you available? See, when you understand and accept 
when we understand and accept that we exist to honor God. Would you agree with that? Come on, if you agree with that, go ahead and give God a praise. Now, because you agree with that, that we exist to honor God, here's what we must understand, that when we know that we exist to honor God, we can then begin to start make, making ourselves available for his purposes. And when we do that, all of a sudden you begin to notice people that at one time you didn't notice. And what that opens the door is for you to be positioned in the perfect place at the perfect time and make a regular everyday kind of moment a God moment where God can do something great. Don't worry about what if I don't know what to say. What if I mess this up? Listen, God takes mess ups and makes beautiful things. God will take your mess in that moment and make something beautiful. I'll prove it to you. Years ago, before we moved up here, we used to live in the Bronx. And we lived in the Classes Point uh, area, way down by the water, uh, past Soundview. And so uh, I used to have to take a bus every morning to get to the train, to the 6th train in Parkchester. And so I would get on the, the, I believe it was the 39, I'd get on the bus and... uh, you know, I, I would get on the train every morning, same train, same car, you know, all the way at the end because it, the train was crowded, but I wanted to be in the least crowded car. So I was at the last car. And so uh, there were these teenagers that would get on this train every day. And they were loud. They were rude. They were obnoxious. Can we give it up for young people? They are awesome. But I'm going to tell you straight up. I was annoyed with these kids. It used to get on my nerves. God, these kids, and I don't know, maybe I was praying like David used to pray, God, smite them. (laughs) No, I wasn't doing that. But, you know, I was annoyed with them, right? Somebody needs to teach these kids manners. And then one day on the way back home, I get this, this inner knowing right here. I know that God is telling me, you're going to speak to these kids tomorrow. I said, no, I'm not. (laughs) But it wasn't like I was going to engage in a conversation with them. I felt the Lord impress upon my heart, you're going to speak in this train publicly, and you're going to end up speaking to these kids when you do that. And I said, no, I'm not. So I, 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 you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to take a step of faith. And I took a step and I said to my wife, hun, this is what I'm doing tomorrow. She was like, you are? I was like, yeah. She was like, okay, so now I put my foot in my mouth and I got to do it, right? So t- the next morning comes and I decide that I'm just going to sleep just a little bit more. Right? I was trying to get out of this. So I get on the bus a little bit later. I get to the train, and would you believe that of all days, on that day, that morning, the train was delayed. So when it pulls in, to my surprise, there are the kids, and the train is packed. There's no way to sit. I said, Lord, 
It ain't me. Nah. God, if it's really you and this is what you really want me to do, then uh, the oddest thing will happen. Make it so that somebody gets up and nobody takes their seat in that moment. As soon as that prayer left my lips, somebody gets up and nobody goes to sit on the seat. Nah, that can't be God. Nah. That's what I was thinking. So I'm going back and forth with God, and I'm like, Lord, I'm not the one. I can't do this. Lord, not me. Send someone else. And as soon as I say send someone else, a guy on the other side of the train says, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to share with you something from the word. And I'm like, come on, man, really? But then all of a sudden, I, I don't know if he got nervous or anxious or what, but he begins to kind of fumble on his words, and it got kind of awkward. And the thing is that even when he was speaking, nobody on the train was really listening. And then I, 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 I walk over to him. I said, brother, would you mind me saying something? He says, please. And I begin to speak and just share on the love of God and how he views all people. And the train went silent. And I could feel these kids all right here, right up in here, looking at me. And, and here's the funny thing. This, this was supposed to be the express train. Well, that morning it went local. It's the craziest thing. Long story short, I get off that train. And would you believe that the, the people that came to me when I got off that train, because they were on the other side, I was on this side, were those teenagers, all of them, snot nose, hood, and all that, and they, and they just, yo, mister, yo, yo, that was deep, I needed that this morning, and, and, and they just, be, I just began to talk to them, and I had the opportunity to lead some of them to Christ that morning, Amen. now, what's the point of that, if you want to honor God, Start by making yourself available to honor the people around you. Make yourself available. Listen, do it afraid and do it anyway. The scripture says this. Jesus said this, that when we open our mouth, that the Holy Spirit will remind us the words of the Father. He'll fill your mouth. And sometimes it's not even about what you say. It's more so about what you need to do. So make yourself available, and I want to ask you to do something with me. Take a moment to consider who might be the people that God has entrusted into your care. And I want you to consider this, that it's a lot less complicated than we think. You see, people in our care, it can be someone, it could be your child. That's someone you have influence over. It can be someone you supervise in your workplace. It can be someone who's new to the journey of faith in Christ that looks to you. It could be people who grant you access to their lives. Let me translate that for you. They're always telling you about their problems. Why aren't you giving them the solution? They're people that you teach. There are people who may look to you for leadership. There are people that you can touch that no one else can. See, it's not about your ability. 
Because if it was your ability, then guess what? You would be God. Thank God that's not on us. But it is about our availability. Make yourself available and watch God do some amazing things. The next point I want to leave you with here is that if servanthood is beneath you, honor is beyond you. Let me say that again. If servanthood is beneath you, honor is beyond you. Listen, honor unto God is beyond you. The rewards that honor affords us are beyond you. When it comes to honoring those in our care, it's not merely about doing honorable acts toward them. It's about serving them to the point that you elevate them. Listen to Mark chapter 10, the second half of verse 43 is where we're going to start. It says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. That word servant there is the Greek word for slave, but not just any slave. This is a bond slave. I'll touch on that more in a second. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, watch this. Let me translate that. God in human form. Even God himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if we want to honor God, what we see here is that we must nurture a heart that is to be the equivalent of a bondservant. You know what a bondservant was? A bondservant was a slave who was set free. But they say, I love you so much, master, that I choose to be your slave for the rest of my life. I willingly lay it all down. I give up my freedoms for the freedom that you want to afford others. Let that sit in your heart for a moment. See, the highest form of honor unto God is service unto others. That, need, that, that requires some reflection. The highest service unto God, the highest honor that we can render unto God is service unto others. Why? Because we're doing it unto him. we got to chew on that. Can I just say this? Because I feel this urgency. Church, wake up. People, wake up. For those of you here in the house, those of you online, wake up. Wake up. Wherein do we get this mentality that it's my life and my time? And it's my priorities. Listen, when we understand, like the Apostle Paul did, that it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, then guess what? It no longer becomes my life. It becomes his life. It no longer becomes my priority. It becomes his priority. It's no longer about my time. It's about his time and redeeming that time. And doing what God has called you to do. 
I know that's challenging. I know it's hard. Welcome to the club. But here's the thing. It's worth it. It's worth it. Why? Because it's God's heart. See, when you serve, when we follow the example that Jesus teaches us to be a servant, what we see is that a servant is not one who serves because he must. A servant is one who serves because he loves. Because he loves. Because he loves. Listen, if somebody approaches you with an opportunity to serve, let me just bring it close to home. Let me bring it right here just, just to church at the bridge for a moment. If you have an opportunity to serve, why aren't you doing it unto Jesus? Just saying. Everybody say this with me because I need this right now. I love Pastor Jose. Thank you. I feel better already. Because, man, there were some daggers coming this way. I know that many of us have heard the quote that we are to go the extra mile. But I want you to consider the origin of that quote. That was not spoken by men. That originated from the lips of Jesus himself. Matthew 5, 41, Jesus said, And whoever compels you to go, how many miles? One mile. One mile. Go with him. How many? Two. Two. Let's try that again. Whoever compels you to go? One mile. Go how many with him? Two. Two. In context, Jesus was speaking to Jewish people that were under the rule of Rome against their will. And Roman law in those days dictated that any Roman soldier could stop anyone who was under the rule of Rome and, and force them, say, pick up my gear, you have to carry it for me, and you had to go one mile in carrying it. And so you can imagine the silence in this open field where Jesus was with these people. You can imagine how people were wrestling with this when he says, if they tell you to go one mile, don't go one mile. Watch what he says. Go with him two miles. Let me tell you why Jesus would command us to do that. Because the first mile is what's expected. But the second mile is where there's a move of God in waiting. You know, here at Church at the Bridge, we strive. I'm not saying that we got it together. I'm not saying that we've got it perfect. If you're looking for the perfect church, my friend, I'm sad to say to you, it's in heaven. It's in heaven. It's not here. So I'm by no means tooting our horn here and saying we've got it all together. We don't. But our heart and everything that we do, we strive to do with excellence and we strive to go the extra mile. If it's an extra expense, so be it. If it requires extra effort, so be it. If it means we got to go bigger, so be it. It's, what we, it's just what we do. It's what we do. It's, it, it's, it's, it's the way of God's kingdom. And so early on, a couple of years after we first started, you know, we, we came into this building, and I just had this sense. I was like, you know, 
I got a chance to just tour different areas of the city, and we were involved in a coalition and getting to know different programs and had a chance to view a few different programs that served people food. And that's awesome. But I noticed that people would just kind of come in, grab a plate, sit down, eat, and then kind of like, there's the door. And I said, man, we've got a building that used to be a restaurant. And I said, what if every person that walked through our doors felt like a friend and family? What if we honored the humanity and the dignity of a person, regardless of where they've been, what they're going through, what they look like, what's happening? What if we honored people that way? And so I said, I really sensed from the Lord, Lord, I really sensed we're to do something different. So we opened our doors and we started something called Friends and Family. And let me tell you uh, to the extent that that, that that impact was felt and is still being felt. We constantly get this question, why are you doing this? Why? Listen, when you go one mile, you know what happens? It's to be expected. It's just some food. There's plenty of people that do this. But when you go two miles, it opens the door for the hand of God. And I got to tell you, we have had countless opportunities. There are people, some people that are here. There are some people that started here. Now, all of a sudden, their family is restored. They've moved on. They're serving God. They're working. There are families that come here. Not, I'm not just talking about homeless people. There are people that come here that are working people. There are people that have come here that are business owners. And we just go the extra mile to serve. Why? Because when you understand that we exist to honor God, you love the opportunity that's given to you to serve. I want to encourage you, go two miles this week. Take 10 seconds and think about that person. Yeah, that one. Go two miles. Go two miles. The last point I want to leave you with here today is that the best way to honor those in our care is to build them up. The best way to honor those in our care is to build them up. What are you talking about? Romans 15, 2 says this, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. The term here, please, to please the neighbor speaks of accommodating our interests, reorganizing our interests for the good of another. And what that does is it creates the opportunity to build someone up. In the Greek, it simply speaks of the act of promoting another's growth for the long haul. One of the things that I love about Elisha's example of honor is that his interest in helping this woman extended beyond the moment of her need. The need was there was a debt that was owed that led to her sons being uh, at the point of being taken to become slaves. That was the need. But what I love is that Elisha didn't do something simply about the need in the moment. No, instead, he built her up. How did he do that? Because you see, this miracle opened the door 
to provide so much oil that the proceeds from this oil provided for the needs of this woman and her sons for the remainder of their lives. It not only covered the debt, it covered the rest of their life. Listen closely, my friend. Listen closely. We are called to build people up. To build lives. To influence the lives of people. Yes, you. You. Yes, you. You. Somebody say, yeah, me. (laughs) I pray you believe that. And so as I close here today, I want to give you some homework. You should be taking notes on this. I guarantee you it will bless you. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this holy moment. I want to take the word build up as an acrostic, and I just want to quickly break it down. Your homework is going to be the scriptures that I give you because I don't want you to take my word for it. The B in build up, I'm calling it to be intentional. Be intentional. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I'm not going to get into all of it, but in that portion of Scripture, Jesus says, now go and make disciples. He doesn't suggest it. He says, go. Go. See, we have to be intentional about going. We have no time to waste, ladies and gentlemen. You should be living with an urgency. An urgency. If the care that we have doesn't extend beyond ourselves, no wonder we're not intentional. So we should be intentional that you use your gifts. Again, this is homework for you, 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. In that portion of Scripture, the Apostle Peter tells us that we are to use our gifts to serve everyone. Get this. There is not one person who is not gifted. We all possess gifts. Each and every one of us. How are you using your gift? Will you use your gift to build someone up? Hmm. The I. Instill God's word as opportunities arise. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us that all scripture is inspired by God and that it's useful. That it teaches, reproves, corrects, instructs, and that it thoroughly equips, it builds up a man. And so where the opportunity lies, where it presents himself, encourage with the word of God. Pour the word of God into someone's life. Jesus said in John 6 that it is spirit. In John 3 that it is spirit and that it is life. Instill the word of God, the L. You're going to love this one. Listen more and speak less. James chapter 1 verse 19. I don't have time to get into it, but it tells us that we should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. You know what happens when you begin to listen to people more than speak? You begin to hear the leading of God. You begin to understand and discern what the moment calls for. You begin to build someone up. The D in build up. Demonstrate encouragement with your thoughts and actions. 
Demonstrate encouragement with your thoughts and actions. Don't have time to look at this, but Ephesians 4.29, it tells us that no corrupt word should come out of our mouth except for what is beneficial to another. So listen, demonstrate encouragement with your words, with your actions. Be an encourager. You know, you can walk into any situation and people may be down, but if you have an encourager in the room, someone's bound to get up. Be an encourager. The you and build up. Understand people instead of underestimating them. Understand people instead of underestimating them. What am I talking about? 1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 23. This is for your homework. Paul says this in that portion of Scripture. He says, I become all things to all people that I might save some. Listen closely. When you take the opportunity to understand people right where they are, what you do is you elevate their value. You lift them up. Instead of underestimating their value, you overestimate it. And you make room for a big God to do big things in their lives. The last point is P. The P stands for push toward the positive. Colossians 3.2, that's for your homework. It tells us that we should set our minds on things above. That which is heavenly. You know, when you start engaging with people and you start making yourself available, here's what happens. You're going to walk into some situations and you're going to meet some people. You're going to be encountered with some things that you're like, I don't want to touch that. So negative. This is just so, so, oh my God, their story, their, their attitude, their mindset. Let me tell you, let me remind you that you are called the light of the world. And light is meant for dark places. That's where you belong. See, you and I may not agree with the negativity and we may find it yucky, but you and I know better. You see greater than the present, than the temporal. You have good news. And so you have the ability to point people upward. Yeah, it might be raining, but guess what? There is a sun behind every cloud. Yes, I know you've been through some hard situations, but sweetheart, you are still standing, and God is still for you, and he has great purposes and plans for your life. You point people upward, and they will rise up to all that God has for them. Let's stand here today. Father, this day, on this day right here, in this holy moment, We've had an experience, an encounter with God through his word. And I propose to you that if you look at the scriptures, any person who had an encounter with God did not leave the same. Something changed. My prayer for you today is that your eyes have been opened. And that you see that your availability equals God's ability. God wants to do great things through you. Now, it's very possible there's someone here today. Maybe this is your first time joining us. Maybe you've been here a few times. Maybe you struggle with this whole idea of believing in God, of putting your trust in a God that you can't see. 
But let me remind you, my friend, that the reason why you are standing, the reason why you've made it, the reason why you've somehow always found yourself still getting back up is not because it's based on your ability. It's based on God who's available to you and loves you so much. He has cared for you. He does care for you. And he's got great things in store for you. And I submit to you that if you have had an encounter with God today, if the word of God is speaking directly to your heart and you are beginning to see that your life is built for something so much more, that right now you're being built up, that God wants to use you as a fine, refined tool in his hands, then I would say to you, then today's the day to turn your life into the hands of God and take them out of yours. How do we do that? Well, it starts with understanding this, that God loved you and I so much that he paid the price for a debt for sin that we couldn't pay. You know why? Because we're the ones who messed it up. We can't fix it. I'll prove it to you. We make mistakes all the time. But he did it. And him choosing you is not a mistake either. Today's your day. So if you believe that, that he died and paid the price for your sin and he rose up again to prove that you can rise too, I want you to do something at the count of three. I want you to raise your hands nice and high. If you're accepting Christ today for the first time, if you're making a decision to turn your heart over to God, we want you to raise your hands, not because we're going to embarrass you, but because you count to God, because you matter, because you are a VIP, and we want to honor you that way. At the count of three, one, two, three, let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you died and you rose again for me because I matter to you, because you love me. Today I declare you are my Lord, you are my Savior, you are my God. And from this day forward, I thank you for a new life and new beginnings. Come on now, if you pray that, we are celebrating God working in your life. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.